This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All the Startron shakes this morning. Come on. Damn these Biloxi blues. It happens every night. Every night. And I ain't never met a riverboat dealer that could ever be a friend of mine. Hell. Not. never treats me kind. It leaves trouble on my mind. So I'm bidding farewell, putting in my notice, and I'll see you at another time. Sang. This highway does not know my name, and I don't care. Nope. I- don't care. Not even a little bit. Heading my way for another place, and I got three good tires and a spare. Right to the hook, right here. Just a white line gypsy getting out of Mississippi with just enough gas to keep there. Low budget. Live, not so live, from the Low Budget Live Bar and Grill. Welcome, you bunch of low lifers. And if you're new to the show and you're wondering why you're getting insulted right out of the giddy, this is your first time tuning in, you're not being insulted. That's what the listeners of this program refer to themselves as, the low lifers, and they are a faithful bunch of folks. So welcome, you are now a low lifer, whether you wanted to be or not. This is the podcast for Monday, October the 24th, and hope all of you find Fine lowlifers are doing well out there. Thank you for joining me once again here in the low-budget live bar and grill in beautiful middle Tennessee, southern middle to be exact. And uh, it's fall, y'all. It's fall, y'all. October the 24th. I feel like like since I started doing this podcast many years ago, but when when I started doing it weekly, right, that time just flies by. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like I'm like, damn, we're already almost to November. It's Halloween. Things is happening. Things is happening. But uh, 
the biggest thing that's happening is it's almost deer season. So I'm going to try to get uh, – this fall, I want to mix it up. I want to I want to get some hunting folks on here a couple for a couple of little special episodes there. Uh, y'all let me know in the comments if that's a good idea or not. But I, I got I to gotta share one on myself this week, and I post about it on, on social. But first of all, I want to say I am terrified, terrified, terrified of heights. Uh, edges in particular heights, like I, you know, like being on an airplane or being on a tall building, like that doesn't bug me. But now I go to the edge, or I'm looking out of a window. Never like that. It's in my DNA. My my, a lot of my family members are the same way. So uh, don't like that. But big deer hunter, love to bow hunt. So I hunt a lot of you know lock on stands, different things like that. Well, I was down at the farm one day this week. And uh, mainly on this on this piece of property, I've hunted it for most of my life, and uh, I lease I lease uh, half of this big big track of land that I've always been a part of. But me and my boys lease a section of it, and we uh, mainly it's just I just kind of keep it up for them, right? Like it's a lot of uh, it's not really the way I like to hunt. It's a lot of shooting houses that have been there for years and years and years, and it's a lot of cutover land. And if you if you don't know what I'm talking about by that, it's paper company owned we leased from the paper company and so they cut a lot of it it used to be beautiful beautiful hardwoods and it's been just massacred into <laughs> these terrible pine thickets everywhere y'all a lot of y'all in the country know what i'm talking about and uh and but but hey it's where we hunt and we've got a couple little nice little hardwood haulers left on this place over the years and but i don't bow hunt it a lot i got other a couple other farms that i, I bow hunt it's a little easier to bow hunt uh, makes more sense to bow hunt if it makes sense. So I was uh, I was down there doing some work one day. This farm is also re- loaded with rattlesnakes. Okay, so I don't go meandering through the the thickest cover uh, early in the season. Like when people are, you see all these people posting, I'm working on my deer lease, I'm doing my food plots, I'm doing this. I don't step foot on this damn place until there's been a couple frosts, and then it's still like you tiptoeing around, head on a swivel, looking for them little uh, buzz worms because there's a bunch of them. So I go down there this week, and because it got it got cold, we had some nights in the twenties, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go. And I was, the boys and I had put up a big shooting house out in the cutover. They they've been wanting to do that, so we did that. And uh, it was a pain in the butt, and it's a lot of work, and it's just it looks like the just the freaking like a bomb went off out in this area. And if y'all have ever hunted this kind of stuff, and I know many of y'all have. You can just see forever, but they wanted to put a stand up out there, and we haven't had one in a couple of years since this this stuff got cut a year and a half ago, probably. A lot of deadfalls and things out there, and there's a lot of deer out there. We just don't hunt it. It's probably a couple hundred acres of this farm that we don't hunt because of this. So we go out there. Well, a lot of it has grown up really high, so I went to do uh, some some manual labor, and I went and uh, took a weed eater with a brush blade because I'm a redneck. Startron in it, cranked up, first try. And I'm cutting some shooting lanes for the kids. And, and you know, they, they have no idea how much work goes into all this deer hunting mess. But but I'm down there. While I brought my bow and my camo and stuff because it was just a beautiful afternoon. It was cold. And I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go bow hunt somewhere down here. Well, there's an old, and I mean old, I mean old ladder stand, okay? Some, some old boys that used to lease put up many moons ago. I've sat in it maybe one time, and this stand wasn't in good shape then. <laughs> and so I decide, I decide that with the wind direction, it was really the only stand. I got a couple lock-ons down there, whatever. But 
they're just not in, in, in a juice area. And, and I've got a big deer on camera around where this old ladder stands at. So I thought, you know what, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work. There's like a couple hours of daylight left. I'm going to slip down there and get in that stand. No harm, no foul. I didn't bring my safety harness, and I'm a big safety harness guy. Didn't bring my safety harness. Dude, I go slipping in this stand. And uh, I did, in my in my my sweatshirt I had on, I put a ratchet strap in it. <laughs> like, I was prepared it was going to be sketchy. Anyways, I go to climbing up in this thing, and I should have filmed the whole thing because it was just what not to do. And this is why women live longer than men. I told the triple threat this when I got home. But I'm climbing up. And this thing's like they added a, it's like they added a section of ladder to it at one point that don't even match. It's like the, the little bitty step. It's like this wide at the bottom, then it gets wider, and you can tell they just like clues this thing together. And so I climb up, and dude, there's there's like twine tying it off to tree, little trees to stabilize it. It's wild. So I climb up in it, whatever, and it's got a shooting rail around it. So I ease up there, and as I get about I don't know. I'm going to go with like four feet from the very top. This thing's probably 18 feet. And I get almost there. The ladder has clearly separated from the platform of the stand on the right-hand side. And this thing says, like this with me up there. And and I didn't have my bow. I, there, was a, there was a bow rope, so I had tied my bow off to this bow rope. Not even worried about if it's dry rotting or not. You know what I'm saying? And, man, I about threw up, about fell. I was able to push it back, Clark Griswold style. And I ended up taking this ratchet strap. Because, <laughs> dude, this is how I'm, like, I'm going to hunt here, okay? Come hell or high water. Damn it, I'm down here. I, I'm going to enjoy this. And so I meander this ratchet strap around this thing and strap this stand back together. And then climbed up in it and pulled my bow up. Rope didn't uh, didn't dry right, but I, I made a I made a stupid post. I, I posted a picture of my face and I'd sent it to the triple threat because the wind was blowing about fifteen miles an hour, and this damn thing was saying, <laughs> and then I went to kind of lean one time. Some deer came out in a little plot that I was sitting in, and I kind of was trying to raise up. I saw them coming. And uh, I, I couldn't see what they were yet, but they were kind of entering the edge of the field or whatever. So I was like, going to stand up while I was easing up on the shooting rail. And the shooting rail goes to, <laughs> to break off the top of the stand. Makes this big ass noise. Deer goes snorting, running everywhere. <laughs> Needless to say, my big butt climbed down the tree before I fell down from the tree. So, uh, yeah, check your stands. <laughs> check your stands before you actually decide if you got two hours to go deer hunting to climb up in one then. Replace your straps. Throw stands away that are very old, especially if they've been bought at, like, Walmart, most likely. They were built over in China, and they're pieces of garbage. They, you got about a two-year use window on some of them. Now, I've got some that have been up longer than that. This thing's been there, though, I want to say conservatively 15 years. And Because uh, I knew the other guys that hunted hunted this this stretch that I leased before, uh, before me. And uh, they put it, I remember when they put it up. Anyways, so, uh, yeah, be careful out there. It's deer season. Deer season. Don't, don't do something stupid like me. Or have a lifeline. I put lifelines on all my stands. 
I'm a big uh, safety harness lifeline guy, like I said, but I did not have one, and I was not going out like that <laughs> this week. But made a post about it. And somebody were like, "Oh, you sissy, you're." I'm like, "Listen, man, listen. I probably caught tetanus. Need a, need a you know tetanus shot for sure." And uh, it was just not a good situation. But anyways, moving on. Hope all of you are getting ready for deer season or you're still fishing. I, I have, uh, I'm staying on the water because I got that ABT 100 with a little tray at the end of November. So I'm trying to trying to fish as much as I can. Them damn deer just keep getting in the way. All right, got to thank these sponsors real quick. Startrine, kicking ethanol in the teeth, in your chainsaw, in your weed eater, but most importantly in your bass boat this time of year. This time of year, as I've said, you're going to be loading that side-by-side -side up. You're going to be heading out to your lease, and you're going to neglect that bass boat. If you have fuel in it, and you are going to let that thing sit for a week, two weeks, better put you some Startron in there. Make sure ethanol does not gum up the works. That way, the next time you get ready to go to the lake, and you go to hit that key, <clears throat> ethanol done gummed it up. Ethanol has screwed you over once again. A little dab will do you. Yeah, this bottle treats 256 gallons of fuel. And uh, I'd use it in everything. Side by side, the Express, uh, Yamaha combo, chainsaws, weed eaters, for real, use it. Uh, because I ain't buying ethanol-free fuel because it's too expensive. And uh, Startron de definitely, definitely works. So you can find yours at multiple retailers, Startron kicking ethanol in the teeth and bringing you low-budget life for five years now, ProGuide batteries, running those ProGuide lithiums, the 31 series trolling batteries, they're freaking phenomenal. They've got some new cranking batteries. I was actually talking to Matt Looney from ProGuide this week, and lithium cranking batteries, there's a lot of misconceptions out there, but theirs meet all of the required cranking amps. I know Mercury, Yamaha used to, you could not run a lithium cranking battery, it would void your warranty. All those, all those memos are kind of going away now, and Pro Guide has got what you need. I am not running a lithium cranking yet. I have not, uh, I've not tried one yet, but you can get yours. ProGuideBatteries.com. Use code LBL10 to save you a little cash and let them know you are a low lifer. BaitWorks.com. Bait-Works.com, your online tackle destination. If they ain't got it, they got it on the way. And if they ain't got it, you probably don't need it. They are loaded to the gills, multiple brands, rods, reels, I was uh, I was out Friday playing around with some Denali rods. They're big with Denali, and uh, man, there's some real uh, like value uh, savvy rods. 150 bucks uh, with Denali. There, go on there, check everything out. You can use code Duncan Dash Ten, Duncan Dash Ten, and something I've been slinging around. I know they got a lot of. It's Alabama rig season. I don't care what you think about it. They got them on there, every make, model of jig head, swim bait, and A-rig that you need. Bait-works.com, Duncan-10. Saves you cash and lets them know you are a low-lifer. And last but not freaking least. Uh-oh. I hit the wrong button. It's the Bassmaster Classic winning express high-performance aluminum bass boat. Hang that banner right there over my shoulder here in the beautiful LBL Bar and Grill. Every single week, the Express X21 Pro LE is what I'm running this year. It's a new model, new layout, more fuel, cool seats, stay cool seats, as a matter of fact. They actually are cool to the touch. Very, very neat. I haven't had them out on a scorching day yet to test that theory, but um, loving the new layout. The boat with the 250 Yamaha shows handling great. Got the Garmin's on there, got C-Deck 
bow to stern one of the only boat companies out there doing that and they've been doing it for a very long time you can check them out at a local dealer if you see me at a boat ramp holla and come take a ride in express x21 if i got the time i'll dang sure put you over in that bad boy and uh and let you see what it's all about express boats building excitement since 1966 all right a few things a few things i'm gonna text our guest here We had a time, and I am running a little bit behind due to my deer hunting rambling stories. I got to say, huge congrats, Keith freaking Combs, man. Mr. Rayburn, uh, I mean, he's dialed up out there as it gets at times, and he absolutely showed up, showed out, wins the last Central Open of the year. The Opens are complete. He's going to the Classic. That's freaking awesome. Keith Combs kind of been off of his normal just tears in the last couple seasons. Very uncharacteristic for Keith. So it's cool to see him get a win, getting that Classic. And, uh, and and he's always a threat, Combs is, man. There's no doubt about it. So it felt good seeing him uh, on Bassmaster Live yesterday with Big Ron and uh, Tommy Sanders calling it all from out there at Sam Rayburn. And I got to say, man, I got to say, if you follow me on social, you see me post this, but Bradley Hallman is going back to the Elite Series. He won the points in the Central Opens. And I'll be honest, there's not uh, – y'all know that I got relationships with a lot of these, lot of these folks. I, I've been fortunate. That's my favorite part of this industry is the relationships that I've been able to forge over time. And i got a lot of people that I consider dear friends and I pull for, but – Maybe nobody that I pull harder for than Bradley Holman. He and I have been uh, kindred souls, kindred spirits since the first time we ever met down at Tony Satchery's house many moons ago. We've told that story here on the podcast, but he was he was in his uh, on his last last leg in the elites back then when I met him, and he and he quit, and he decided not to come back, and then he sat out for a while, and then he starts fishing the FLW tour again there when I did in 2016. He wins the first event at Okeechobee. He then wins a couple years later there at Lake Lanier. The guy is a machine, but whenever uh, 2019 rolled around, MLF's buying FLW, all that, he said, I'm out. When I said I was out, he said, I'm out. There were several of us that left, and he started this Bassmaster journey then. I want to fish the Classic. I want to get back. And for three or four seasons now, four in the Opens, uh, I guess, yeah, 2021, 20, 22, so three seasons, he is, uh, he's given it all he's got, man, and fishing all of them, running around the country, and wins the points in the Central Opens that qualifies him. If it was next year because he fished all nine, he would have qualified through the top nine as well. But Bradley Hallman, going back to the Elite Series, so proud for the guy. He, he's he's just a he's a great human being. He's a great angler. Great YouTube stuff. Go check it out. But but pump for my boy Brad. Born and raised over there in East Tennessee. He's got some of that Tennessee. Even though he's a even though he's a boomer sooner now, he got some of that. He's got some of that Rocky Top. He was texting me during that Tennessee Bama game. So congrats to Hallman. Just a uh, just a real good dude, and the elites are lucky to get him, and they're lucky to get everybody that they're uh, they're bringing on. Man, that rookie of the year race, I think Ronnie Moore made a post about it this weekend. It's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one next year. That there are some uh, there's some certified fish catchers on that list headed that direction. Got to say another real quick congrats, Jesse Wiggins. I don't know how he has time to do all this, but he qualified for the BFL regional that was on his home lake, Smith Lake. 
Shocker, he won. Now, only about two ounces. Now, Jesse, uh, Jesse, it was a close one, but Jesse's going back, uh, going to the, it was his first BFL win, he said, which perfect timing. And he's going to the BFL All American, which is still very prestigious tournament that I think every fisherman could uh, agree they want to make. Jason Lambert, uh, BPT Tour Pro, just made it through the Pickwick Regional. All these guys fished BFLs. That that qualified them for regionals on their home lakes, and man, I, I think it's I think it's really cool to see them mixing it up. There are probably people that were pissed they were there, I'm sure. But uh, my thing is, if you if you are a local guy in BFLs and you let Jason Lambert show up and beat you, or you let Wigan show up and beat you, shame on you because they're not home. They're not home all the time. So um, I, I hear guys piss and moan about that. They shouldn't be allowed in the BFLs. And, look, I get it. But at the same time, like, you've been down there seven or eight days straight. You fish your home body of water three and four days a week, a lot of folks. And and I saw Lambert. He won the BFL Super Tournament up at Old Hickory Lake. Like, you should never let that dude roll in there and beat you in two days on your home lake. So congrats to those guys going to that prestigious all American. One quick thing before we get our guest on, hearing a lot of uh, BPT names swirling around that they're not coming back. I don't know if that means, I mean, I'm assuming it means they're going to the Bassmaster Opens, but I talked a little bit about it last week. Bobby Lane not coming back. Keep hearing that. And uh, seems to be seems to be some weight to that. So the Red Crest champ not coming back. Hearing some other names out there as well. And uh, I think you're going to start seeing announcements. Also hearing that uh, – there might be an interesting uh, phone call this week. Um, word on the street is if you fish the Bassmaster Opens or any other tournament that you're and you fish BPT, that you're not allowed, not allowed to fish Redcrest. That should go over well. If that's if that if that's true, that should go over well. <laughs> oh me. Lots of things going on. I'm gonna spend some time with some MLF boys this week at a riders event. I'll give you some more details about that next week. I uh, got invited. Brandon Coulter invited me out over to East Tennessee. I'm gonna hang out with them a couple of days. We're gonna we're gonna film a lot of content and we're gonna uh, we're gonna do some pods. So uh, great list of guys that are gonna be there and and uh, first media event for LBL. So gonna go uh, gonna go do some uh, do some podcasts with some of them boys this week, and I'll have uh, several interviews to share with you guys when I get back. All right, my guest today is an absolute fish-catching freak of nature. That's that's the only way I can put him. I've gotten to know this man through the National Professional Fishing League in the last couple of seasons. He has been a standout. How he has not won an event, it is a surprise to many of us at the MPFL. This guy uh, was, was just heralded out of the West Coast by a lot of people that I knew, the Cody Myers of the world. A lot of people were like, hey, you better better check this kid out. He's he's definitely got what it takes, and this year he has qualified for the Bassmaster Elite Series. He has over a couple hundred thousand dollars in career earnings and a very young career. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to call him California Kid Bryant Smith. Hello, what's up, Bryant? How are you? Man, I'm great. I'm not. I'm not doing as good as you. It's the same thing I said uh, the last couple guys I've had on. I'm not as good as you guys right now. <laughs> Loving life, man. You got the. You got the new baby. You got the elite series bid. I mean, just rocking and rolling. Oh man, it, it's been. Uh, it's been probably one of the best 
month and a half, two months of my life. And <laughs> I don't want it to stop anytime soon. <laughs> well, you you got uh you got it all wrapped up, man. The Elite Series bid is in the bag, but you still got one more MPFL down in uh in sunny old Florida. Are you gonna you gonna join us for that one, the last one of the year. Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. I wouldn't miss it, man. I wanted to, you know, I've always wanted one of those big shields. Yes. And, uh, man, this might be the last last shot that I I got at one for a little while, so Well, that uh, Yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely going to be there. Well, that was that was going to be a topic of conversation I wanted to pick your brain on for sure about the elites and things, but uh but let's go back to that 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 shield talk. So I, I actually when I introduced you, I said it's it's a surprise to and I know you're a humble guy, very humble. But it's a surprise to all of us, and this is no offense to anybody else in the National Professional Fishing League, but it is a surprise to us out of the 11 events that we've had that you have not hoisted one of those because, <laughs> man, I, I've watched you. I've, I've been impressed, and again, no slight at anybody else in the MPFL, but you have certainly impressed me as, as much as anybody that I've got to cover over there. Just your demeanor. Your your approach, man, it's uh it's a joy to cover you. And I've told you that multiple times. You're always super honest about what you got going on. If you tell me, hey, this is what I'm doing, when the live camera pops up, that's what you're doing. And 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 that's not always the case in our job with Fat Cat and I. Uh, so I just wanna I wanna thank you for that. But man, it, is it a surprise to you? Because I know you've had so many top tens and you've been around it. Why would you say that you haven't got to hoist one? Is it a lost fish here and there or pattern fizzled out or, or, or what what would you say because there there have been a time or two we're like yeah this is bryant's to lose right here like he's he's coming like we see you sliding up the standings on day two uh why would you what would you equate that to man um it's just kind of always been how it works for me i don't win a lot uh, even even on the west coast I, I really never won a lot um you know when i did win it was you know super special to me and everything mm -hmm. but i think it's just I think it's a lot of the way I fish, you know, I, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm super safe with the way I fish, but I always go for the guaranteed fish. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if I'm on, if I'm on 15 pounds a day, I'm going to go catch 15 pounds a day, you know, as long as I can. And then if I can get to 15 pounds, then maybe we can start playing around with trying to, you know, upgrade our bag. But, you know, I'm never the guy that is on, 15 pounds and goes and tries to catch 25 mm -hmm. um you know I, I always play it you know somewhat safe somewhat conservative but um, i think that also is why i don't end up winning a lot because i only you know i always i always tell everybody you know when they ask advice on how to be more consistent is i only go for it when i know i have a shot mm -hmm. you know i won't try to i won't try to make something happen that isn't there and uh, I think that's that's a lot of what happened, you know, with the past few years in the MPFL. I, I just I never real I, I had a shot at one for sure, and uh, that one was just uh, a mental error that that uh, that blew that one for Which me. Which one? But, you know, Pick, Pickwick or Harris Chain? That was actually uh, Winnebago. Winnebago. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That was actually Winnebago. I, those, those yeah. Pickwick Harris Chain jump out to me as as like just amazing performances last year. Yeah. I, I, I think I had a shot at Harris too. I just never got that. I mean, I, that one, I was definitely fishing for the right fish. I just mm -hmm. didn't get the bite. Um, Pickwick, Pickwick was my fish just kind of ran out the last day. And, um, you know, I didn't make the right adjustments to, to 
to catch bigger ones. Like a lot of the other guys were catching a lot of, you know, bigger fish. And I, I was kind of three to four pounds was kind of my max. I could never catch one bigger than that. But, uh, you know, that, that, that's just the way I fish. You know, I catch what I'm, I'm on. I don't try to, I don't try to make nothing or something out of nothing. Yeah. I, I guess it's basically the, the simplest way to put it. Well, what, what happened at Winnebago? I don't, I, I don't remember I, because we, we had some drama on the last day around, around Keith and, and things going on with the top 10. I remember some yeah. of those details from that day, but, <laughs> but what, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't remember what happened. It, it kind of got lost in it. You know, uh, I was actually all on me. I was in, I think I was, I was in the top 10 and I was mm-hmm. on camera the second day yeah. and, uh, I didn't even realize it till after the live stream went off. But um, when I caught one of my, I think it was the biggest fish I caught that day. Um, you know, I use that Rappler scale that everybody else mm-hmm. uses. And uh, I actually, I trust that system so much that, that it didn't even, it didn't even dawn on me that something had went wrong until after. But I actually, I punched in, I weighed that fish and I punched it in the wrong spot. Mm. And then, I was so worried about getting that uh, the original fish that's supposed to be in that spot weighed and get everything back to you know everything back to kosher that I actually forgot to call my smallest one. Oh, so no. I threw the biggest one and I threw the smallest one in the live well and went to the other side to go reweigh that fish that had gotten uh, basically deleted. And uh, you know, long story short, I had the the penalty was was enough to to mm, I, I would have made it interesting. I, I, I would have made it interesting. I, I won't that. say that I would have won it, but I've I've done the math, and it would have been really, really close. And and that one got close. You know, Buck came from out of nowhere, and and uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he had been around it all week. But then Perkins catches a giant bag the last day. Yeah, that one was that one was wild. The weigh in was wild. Every that was one of the craziest events we had. <laughs> but I do remember I do remember that uh, because we had Sheldon Collings in the mix too, and Sheldon had a fish die. I believe, mm-hmm. and and it, he would have been right there. Like that one was just super tight weights, but 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 with that though, you're making my point for me. In that, out of six events, you were like right in the mix in three, <laughs> and we're and we're always around it, right? And and you were a guy that uh, uh, I know you're familiar with, Mr. Randy McBride uh, mm-hmm. from out west. I've known Randy many many moons. He was my <laughs> Red Man tournament director when I was 16 years old. So I've known Randy a minute. And I ran into Randy um, somewhere right right as our season was starting last year. And he goes, hey, my boy Brian Smith, I'm telling you, you better watch him. You better watch him. <laughs> and that was like – I started hearing your name. Then I had some guys in the comments when I started talking about MPFL. Your name has came up from, from West Coast guys. And we get to watching it. And I'm like, yeah, they're right. <laughs> this kid's got it. And, and, man, now to go on and make the Elite Series – and you did it through that single division – you didn't fish all nine. You you just yeah. just fished the one division, correct? The Southerns. Yeah, that was all I kind of wanted to do. You know, I, I just wanted to keep the dream alive. And yeah, that, you know, kind of the bare minimum just to give me a give me a shot at at uh, at qualifying. So that's that's why I did that. Well, what do you think about the format change? Because I know I'm going to get comments on this since since I just because my point is Bryant Smith. I feel like you are a, a you're a great angler. And you're committed to, like you said, the dream, keeping the dream alive. So next year, you would have fished all nine, right? I mean, that's just I would have. Yeah, I would have. Yeah, I, I mean, there's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. You know, that is the dream um, to be on the elite series. And, and 
you know, I would have done whatever it, whatever it took. Um, now that being said, I am so incredibly happy that I don't have to go through that. Of course, <laughs> you know, three of the opens was stressful enough. Yes. <laughs> uh, doing nine. That's just, that's the gauntlet, man. Yes. That is, I know you call it purgatory. Purgatory. It and, is. Yeah. And, yeah. And man. it is what it is. You know, it's the toughest. I think it's one of the toughest fields in bass fishing. I truly do. And it's and to do nine of them traveling <laughs> across the country, and you know the payouts. The payouts are what they are. They're not That's great. Right. Um, you know, it's tough. It's tough. So I'm I'm definitely glad that I got it done this year, and I got it done in three somehow. No, no doubt about it, man. And I I think that uh, you're right about it being it is purgatory. That's what I like to call it. And that that was actually what I text Holman when he made it. Uh, Friday night, I was so pumped for him. Holman and I've been, you know, he's a dear friend, and I know what he's been through. It is he's been since he left FLW, he's been in that purgatory and that gauntlet, and and uh, and that's what I sent it to him. I said, "Released from purgatory, baby." That's what I that's what I text <laughs> him. Yeah, because that that's essentially what it is, and that's no shot at bass or the opens. It's just it is a gauntlet. The field is. I don't think people realize how incredibly hard those are to just do well in, let alone be in the top three in the points. What what was your average finish in those this year in that single division? Um, I think it ended up being 18th place. <laughs> and, um, you know, kind of to expand on that is you cannot have a bad day. No. Uh, it, it's almost you cannot have a bad hour. You can't make a mistake. Um, and if you do, you have to have the next day. You have to make it up. You have mm-hmm. no choice because once you slip, especially when you're, do, you know, you're doing just one division like me, you know it's going to take a top 20 you know, or less average finish. So if you have a bad day, you, your season's pretty much over. The, yes. the dream's done until next year. And uh, I actually thought I had that day at Cherokee. It was pretty crazy. Um, you know, we had that off day uh, because of the wind. Yep. And, uh, you know, we – me and the guys I stay with at the house, we, we went out and um, went and ate at a local restaurant, uh, you know, just kind of messed around all day, kind of blew off some steam, just getting ready. And uh, I actually, I went to bed at about 8.30 and I woke up at nine o'clock and I went out to the, the living room, everybody was still awake. And uh, I was like, hey, you're going to hear some stuff in the next couple hours that is going to be pretty concerning. <laughs> Just know that I'm okay. And uh, I actually got food poisoning. Whoa. So I, I think I ended up with about a half hour to an hour of sleep mm. before the first day of that tournament. And, uh, you know, I, I did what I could. And of course it was the long day. Uh, by the end of that, like it was five o'clock when I weighed in. And by the end of that, I could barely walk up the hill. Oh my I was gosh. just so drained and, you know, I thought I'd, I actually took a nap, <laughs> to be honest, to be really honest. I was dozing off so bad that actually I, I told my phone, hey, this is a really good spot. I'm going to spot lock us here. I got to take a nap. No way. It was, it was horrible. But, uh, you know, that was, that was, uh, that was the point, which like uh, that night I was like, oh, I blew it. You know, I blew it. I got to try again next year. Wow. And, um, Somehow I got lucky enough. I made some adjustments the second day, and I had a really good bag the second day that kind of you know made up for that 
that uh, oopsies on the first day. Everybody you beat in the Southern Open Points just said, this man was sleeping on a damn job and beat <laughs> He was sleeping on – that's incredible, yeah, man. That is, it was definitely a first, man. But, uh, wow. I was, I, was le- I was legitimately worried I'd fall out of the boat. I was nosing off pretty bad. Wow. And so making adjustment day two, uh, unbelievable. And were you just catching smallmouth at Cherokee? Uh, I was, but that adjustment that I made, I actually, I don't even, I probably caught two or three largemouth in practice. And uh, that adjustment I made, uh, I actually went up and I was kind of going down the bank and there was a dock at the end of the bank. And I was like, well, let me just go try that dock real quick. You know, the water's warm. And that time of year, I have this really weird rule that if I take my sweatshirt off and like I'm just in a a t-shirt or a long sleeve, like that's when I automatically go up shallow yeah. and just start okay. packing around, take a look. And, uh, I'd taken my sweatshirt off and I went up to the first dock and I actually threw a, a, a mag draft up behind it and had like a four pounder try to eat it. I was like, okay, I know what to do now. Mm. Uh, went to the next dock, uh, skipped a, an Ocho underneath it and, and caught a four pounder. I was like, Oh, cool. And then I ended up pulling two or three times after that. So wow. that was that little adjustment, man. And, you know, it, the more I look back on those three tournaments, man, it was just, it's kind of one of those deals where it was just meant to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, but I think that, uh, call it good fortune, good luck, whatever. It, it is that old saying of, of uh, you know, preparation, meeting opportunity. And I know you're a very, very prepared angler. And, and, and something that I think that, that is going to, and I and I text you this, man. I do believe you're going to have a very long career, and 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 I've been proud uh, to get to be a part of it with MPFL and watching you in the last couple of years. But I was actually talking to Justin Atkins uh, about you that week you qualified, and and he said he goes, man, I think he's one of the most legit guys to come out of the opens in a very 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 long time, and and I think that goes. Uh, that that speaks to your versatility. That's something I've noticed with MPFL, dude. You can be up there skipping docks with a mag draft, like you're saying, or you can be out in 40 feet of water with a drop shot. Or we saw you at Grand Lake last year, you know, working working a, a sexy dog up shallow. Like you can do so many different things, and you're comfortable with it. And I think that that's that West Coast thing, right? Like you guys are known for versatility. I feel like absolutely, man, absolutely. Uh... You know, coming from the West Coast, a lot of people, they got this misconception that all we do is drop shot. Mm-hmm. And we do do a lot of drop shotting. I actually personally hate drop shots. <laughs> um, but, you know, when I, I say it all the time, the West Coast actually breeds a very, very versatile angler, like you said. And it does it because you have so many diverse options so close, especially not so much in Southern California, but Northern California, I can go, and, and they're all within two hours of each other. I can go to Clear Lake, the Delta, um, a handful of spotted bass fisheries, you know, super mm-hmm. clear, deep water, six pound test, finesse, all that stuff. I can go to Clear Lake and I can go fish docks. I can go fish rock piles, you know, deeper structure. I can go get up shallow in the grass. Um, and then I can go to the Delta and then we got tides, grass, wood power fishing flipping so it kind of breeds that angler that is as comfortable with 65 pound braid as they are with six pound test mm-hmm. and that's i mean to to do a national circuit that travels around the country you you have to be able to do all that stuff or else you just can't compete anymore. 
Uh, absolutely. And we've seen, I mean, whether it was Aaron, you know, Martins or, or Skeet or so many of the guys that, that were those West Coast, Brent Ayler, uh, my gosh. I mean, they're just versatile. They're consistent. They win um, when, when they take their shots, when they get their shot for, for damn sure. Um, does it frustrate you? This, this was something I wanted to ask just because I, I laugh every year. Uh, when the schedules come out for any trail, it could be Billy's Bassmaster Circuit, whatever, and it posts <laughs> on Facebook, and there'll be some guy from California, Arizona, who's like, "The West is forgotten again, damn you!" What? <laughs> but when the Elite Series comes out every year, MPFL, um, there's there's not there's not a lot of West Coast swings, you know, and and for for a lot of different reasons, obviously. Does that frustrate you as a pro? I know I know it frustrates fans that are that are from out there. Um, but does it frustrate you as as a guy that lives out there, or is it just something you accepted a long time ago? Hey, if I'm going to pay play this game for a living, I'm going to do 95 percent of it on the on the East Coast and the you know from the central part of the country to the East Coast. Is that just something? Is it frustrating or is it something you accepted? Oh, it's definitely frustrating. I mean, uh, you know, it, I guess the, the thing that frustrates me is is when um, circuits, and they're all guilty of it, they all call themselves national circuits, mm-hmm, but right. they don't go and fish the whole nation. Um, now, that being said, I get it. It's, it's expensive. I know it. I mean, I know you live it. that's how expensive <laughs> yeah. it is. Yeah. Because I have to do it every year, um, it's expensive. And to ask to ask a, a group of English to go out there, especially with gas prices and all that, like I totally get it. Uh, and, and you know, it, it's frustrating that we we don't get the love because we do have. I mean, we have some of the best fisheries in the world, million percent. Uh, and like like I could go out on Clear Lake this weekend, and I'll see eight boats on a weekend wow best bass fishery we have out here wow and there'll be eight boats out there uh-huh. and you know would it be cool to have, give that place a little bit of love and, and you know see what what some of these English could do out there yeah it'd be awesome but i don't i don't expect it with the economic you know <laughs> situation yeah. that we have right now I, I can't i can't ask anybody to go out there and do well, it. well you look and, like- and i've kind of i've just made my bed with it you know i know i'm going to be traveling east like you said and it's just something you have to accept 99 percent of um you know top level fishing is going to be on the east coast and it's, it's the way it is yeah and it, it's and the percentage of anglers that fish nationally professionally whatever you want to call it are are mostly East Coast based, you know, Midwest to East Coast based. There there aren't as many, um, but I think that also, I think that's directly correlated to the fact that it is so hard for West Coast guys because they don't have those opportunities. Maybe on the on the national level, they know well if I make the Bassmaster Elite Series, they're not going to go anywhere. Maybe once every five years you know, anywhere that I'm familiar with and I'm, and I'm taking the chance to go get drilled by these dudes that have fished Pickwick 19 times and, and Gunnersville and, and, you know, uh, Hartwell or whatever. Um, because you, we do, what, what is it right now? How many West coast guys are on the elite series? I mean, is it five or less? I mean, Uh, you know what I mean? As far as Western anglers, yeah. West of Texas, you know, there's not many. It's the same with MPFL. There, there are very, very few. It's the same with, uh, there's, there's a, few guys on the pro circuit, a uh, couple on the BPT, but it's a, it's, it's really uh, 
uh, a small group of anglers that are West Coast guys. But I, I'm with you, man. I think I understand why the organizations don't do it from a fan standpoint. I see why fans get frustrated. I'm looking at the weights from that U.S. Open at Mojave. I'm like, why in the hell ain't we having an elite series there, dude? Oh, like, man, let's freaking that's go. That's, yeah. where, that's probably one of the best smallmouth fisheries on the West Coast. We're, for sure. And, I mean, to the point that I'm like, I'll get my brains beat out, but your boy wants to go fish the U.S. Open if it's going to be there next year just because it looks like a good time. That That is one of the coolest tournaments that you could ever fish. I, I want to do it. I, I haven't fished it while I was on Mojave, but, man, I fished it at Mead and I literally, I like it. It kind of makes me sad that that we'll probably never see it on Lake Mead again. It was the coolest tournament you could ever fish, and I got my butt kicked in it every single yeah. year. Yeah, but yeah, we got some great fisheries out here. Um, you know, it's just it's far away. It is what it is. It's far away. But well, I like to hear that you say that you're frustrated about it. Honestly, just because it is, it's something that I think that because I give people uh, crap about the comment section, you know, and and it's always the same. Why are you not going to the West? Why are you yeah. not going to the West? And it's and it is. Uh, I hate that there's not a bass division out there anymore. I really do. Um, that qualifies you for the elites. You know, of course, you got to fish all nine now. But I, I I loved the Western. I used to keep up with those as a kid. I really think more intently than I did the others. Like just being a fan, I loved watching, uh, you know, keeping up with Skeet and Ish and all those guys. But it was more, for me, it was uh, the techniques that came out of there, you know. There's so many things that were developed on that West Coast that uh, came back east, you know, whether it be swim baits or or, or the drop shot stuff, really, when it first got going. But I, I loved, man, reading in Bassmaster Magazine about those Western Shasta. Like I dreamed about going places like that as a kid, and, and, uh, and I would like to see them get more love. So um, talk a little bit about, that struggle though do you like what's an average year for you like with the elite series next year because you're fishing i mean like this year you're you fished three opens you fished uh did you fish any toyotas this year at all i did not yeah no. so just mpfl in the open okay so you had nine but nine major events back east <laughs> what does your life look like in that in that the time in between events are you back and forth i keep up with you on social media i see your your comings and goings but Explain it to the to the listeners out there what it's like for you being that West Coast guy and, and, and living over here trying to bass fish. I mean, what do you do? How often do you go back and forth? Well, it's a really glamorous life to start <laughs> out. Um, I, get, I get to go. Dream big, kids. Big bass, big stage. I'm, well, I guess we'll start at the beginning, right? Yeah. I drive out, um, and usually, you know, like this year, uh, the first event was in Florida, so I get to make that nice 3,000-mile drive and knock that out, uh, fish the first tournament, and then if there's another tournament close, I'll usually, you know, within a week or two, I'll usually stay um, just because, and that was just because plane tickets were so expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if there's enough space in between the current tournament and the next tournament, then I go hop on a plane and I hang out at home for however long and then I'll, I'll go to the next one. But it, you know, it's just, it's a lot of travel. It's a lot of airtime. Um, I tried, so I actually tried to do the opens uh, in 2020 and I actually tried to drive back and forth every time. And that oh was my gosh. probably one of the, that was probably one of the dumber things that I've ever done in my life. And I really don't mind driving. Like I actually like to drive, 
Um, but you know, as far as the wear and tear on your stuff and your body and, you know, when I get there, like I don't stop very often when I drive, I'll catch three or four hours of sleep Mm. and then I'll just drive another 18 hours. And, uh, you know, uh, the wear and tear on your body is just not worth it. So hopping on a plane and, you know, an eight hour flight, it it sounds a lot better than than what I used to do. But uh, yeah, you know, I live the dream. I sleep in my truck when I'm here. And then I fly back home and get to go see my wife. And now I get to go see my son. Um, it's just, uh, it, it, uh, it's the epitome of, of, of living the dream, I guess. So you, you do, you do sleep in your truck. You, you're one of the, uh, the obsessed that, uh, chase the dream, keep the expenses down and, and do it, do it any way you can, man. I, I think that, that, that speaks a lot to your character and, and that, like you said, you are getting to live. This is your dream. It might not be everybody's dream. And, uh, and a lot of people say that, right. But I think that they don't, they won't go, they won't do whatever it takes. And that was my point mm-hmm. when all the opens changes came out and you see people going, well, I can only fish a single division, right. I can only do this. And I'm like, man, look, if you're not willing to sacrifice for this quote dream, then it's probably not for you because Bryant, or Coop Gallant, or, you know, insert a lot of names here. Keith Poche this year. Hell, dude double qualifies while he's fishing the Bass Pro Tour. He's got boats all over the place. He's ripping and running. Like, dude, you, that's hard to compete with if you've got a mental, um, you know, a, a block about how hard it is. Like, you, you've got to get past all that. And, and man, I, I think that uh, it's impressive to see. How, how old are you, Bryant? Uh, I'm 31. 31 years old. So makes the elite series right after, right after uh, you just get into your 30s, man. That that's uh, that's something else. Like looking looking towards the elites next year. Are you? I mean, is it going to be sleeping in the truck? Do you got friends over there you've already started talking with about you know bunking up with? How how does that look for you next year? Being uh, the rook, it'll probably it'll probably be more sleeping in my truck. I, I really don't mind it. Um, I've actually, it sounds funny, but I've actually like stayed with buddies at houses and everything. And every once in a while, I'll just end up crawling into my truck. It, it's <laughs> nice and cozy. I got an air conditioner in there. I got a heater. It's really quiet. Nobody wakes me up. I, I don't mind it at all. So, yeah, that's what I'll be doing next year, most likely. Uh, you know, just find the campground where, where all the guys are at, just in case they need anything or help anybody out. And, uh, you know, just uh, enjoy enjoy the life of being a bass fisherman. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, will you uh, get to pre-fish any of the lakes? Are you familiar with a lot of them on the schedule? I, I asked Joey Fuentes the same thing last last week. But being a, I know you've fished a lot of East Coast events now, or or Southern, you know, Southeast. But are there any fisheries that jump out at you that you're concerned about? You like to get a look at before the season. How does that go for you as far as prep time or pre-fishing? Yeah. Um, so what, what I usually do is it, it, we, we got a good little system. Me and uh, Jake Boomer, we run together. on yeah. and, and what we usually do is we fish the tournament, um, the current tournament, and then drive to the next one, look around for a few days, wrap around, whatever you need to do. And then we hop on a plane, leaving our stuff at the next one. So it's just ready for us when we get there. And that's probably going to be somewhat of the same, uh, same deal that I do for, for the elites because um 
you know, I'm not one of those guys that likes to show up and, and just like, this is the first time I'm seeing this mm-hmm. place, it, especially coming from the West coast. These East coast fisheries, they can be pretty uh, big and uh, you know, there's a lot to, it's a lot to take in. And, and just for me, just seeing the lake or the body of water before the tournament start, you know, before official practice starts really, it kind of helps me just get get familiar with it. I get to look around, get to see where things are at. Um, navigation is a lot of, you know, like uh, yeah. Seminole and Santee Cooper next year. I'm going to want to go drive around for a little bit and get comfortable driving around the stump field. That's just yeah. the way it is. Uh, and and it's, it's a huge part because that's something that I don't have to deal with in official practice. I can just worry about catching fish in official practice if I know how to get around, I know the general layout of the lake and I know where, where everything is and what, you know, if I start to develop a pattern, I don't have to go look. I, I should know at least where a couple, couple areas that look similar are in the, you know, it just kind of, kind of helps me break down the lake a little quicker. I like that. And I, and I think that's, you know, that's good information for anybody out there, no matter which tournament level you're at. Um, <laughs> navigation is so so uh much of an afterthought <laughs> for so many people going to a new lake and and i think knowing the names of the creeks and knowing um when you put in where the best boat ramps are i, I always liked going <laughs> to a new area uh, as silly as this is it's good to know where the damn grocery store is at it oh, is like things like that and getting familiar with where you're going to be for seven eight days for an event if you can go do all that before you roll into town know where the tackle stores are know where the boat ramps are at I think all that is very, very underplayed for a lot of people. They worry about, you know, the seasonal conditions or whatever. But, man, especially on a fisher like Seminole, Santee, like you mentioned, I mean, navigation there, it ain't no damn walk in the park. They drive you, you – your boat floats off the trailer at those places, and it's like, well, where do I start? <laughs> yeah, exactly, I mean, exactly. It, and I like I, – I take a lot of uh, – yeah, I like to be comfortable when I practice. If I get – uncomfortable uh you know things are kind of i have to worry about something besides fishing i don't tend to do very well so mm-hmm. like you said if i know where the grocery store is at i know where you know the auto parts store is in case something needs to be fixed or you know the marine store mm-hmm. if i know where all that stuff is i know where the campground i'm going to stay at is i know how it's laid out that's just all stuff that i don't have to worry about when game day comes around and i, and I think it's the like you said, it's really underplayed. It's kind of overlooked. But uh, the other thing is that I would say is when I'm pre-practicing like that, I'm not always looking for fish. Mm-hmm. I actually very rarely look for fish. I don't do a lot of fishing. Um, I wanted to make that that pretty clear in case you know get some younger anglers. Yeah. Uh, I like to be as open-minded as possible. So if you start catching some fish a month early or a month and a half early. Um, a lot of times that can lead you astray. Mm-hmm. You know, you get kind of dialed into something uh, a month and a half early. So much is going to change over a month. Um, like I thought about going down to Kissimmee uh, to pre-practice for, for the last event. And then I saw the hurricane was coming. I'm like, well, if I practiced during, before that <laughs> hurricane, everything was going to change. Yes. Absolutely. Everything was going to change. And then you know, I already know how to get around there. So it really didn't make much sense to try and go find some fish. Uh, 
because it's all going to change in that month and a half that month. No doubt about it. Uh, one, one thing I wanted to get with you about and just get your opinion. Uh, do you think that the NPFL prepared you? I mean, uh, with the live coverage, you, you were certainly on live coverage. You're a very well-spoken angler. You were great on camera. You'll be great on Bassmaster Live. I know we're going to get to see you on there a bunch. But do you feel like the MPFL was a great stepping stone and a great addition to your fishing career as far as that's concerned, getting you ready? Uh, you fished a lot of big events, obviously, but um, it showed you some new fisheries. Do you, do you, was it beneficial for you, your couple years at MPFL? Oh, it was, it was absolutely everything. And, uh, you know, I don't want to call it a stepping stone. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't mean, I don't mean it in that light, but, but it is. I don't I mean, mean it like that. Yeah, for sure. Know, because that is a per- like, if I spent the rest of my career fishing the NPFL, I'd have been totally happy. Absolutely. No problem at all. But yeah, I mean, to get back to your question, what, what they offered me was a chance to learn how to fish a lot of these different fisheries. Um, you know, the old adage is a bass is a bass. And it's just, it's not true. Something changes when you go over the Rockies because <laughs> fishing gets really, really tough out. Fishing out pressure is what changes. It does. <laughs> it does. Yeah. You know, we don't have blueback here. So yes. that's something I have to learn. We don't have the TVA lakes. I got to go learn that. We don't have great big northern smallmouth on, you know, these massive inland oceans. I got to go learn how to do that. Um, Florida fishing. That's crazy. Got to go learn how to do that. And what the MPFL did, you know, th- with the way they make their uh, their schedules and they travel so much, it really kind of develops a really well-rounded angler mm-hmm. um, over time. And, you know, not only that, but, you know, they they forced me to learn how to travel. They, they forced me to learn how to, you know, logistics, being on the West Coast, being comfortable with leaving my boat out there. Um, like there was a few times um, the first year that I actually left my boat, but I, I didn't want to be without my truck at home. So I'd actually drive my truck home. Oh, wow. Now I have no problem leaving everything there. I got no problem leaving it on the East Coast. I understand that's just, that's where I am. That's how it's going to work for me. Um, being comfortable with that. But, you know, all these things I attribute to the NPFL because, Without them, I'd have to learn everything going into the Elite Series. And that would be, on top of trying to compete against those guys, that'd be a huge task. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think it, it we can talk all day long about, you know, when MPFL popped up, there's a lot of, I don't know who these guys are, this, that, and the other, you know, as far as the anglers go. And, you know, there are, uh, out of the 12 folks that qualify for the Elite Series, we got three going. <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah. anybody uh, who doubted or who talked de- who talked down about our field, yeah. field like they're they're just wrong. They they just they just don't know. Seen it. They haven't had right. to compete against them. Yeah, they those boys catch fish. Uh, there, mm-hmm. There's you, you better bring it every <laughs> single week. And but yeah, you David Gasson, John Sokob, all going to the Elite Series. So crazy, man, to see that uh, three guys that I've covered so much in the in the league there and. Uh, uh, I was going to ask you if you were going to fish both, but you alluded to that this, this next event because Simi might be your last chance at a shield for a while. And I, and I completely understand that. It just adds a lot more travel. And I think we're on top of the Elite Series maybe with one event 
uh, next year. So it'd be it'd be a task, and it's a lot of money. You know, all the entry you're gonna have entry fees for days next year, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I would love to do them both. I really would. Um, and if there is somebody out there with a company who wants to sponsor me <laughs> as far as entry fees, I'm going to need a second truck, a camper, because <laughs> yes. I'm not going to miss the first year of life with my son. Yes, um, I that, that's the other thing. A lot of respect. Like, he would, if, if, if I wanted to travel to do all that, like he would have to come. Him and my wife <laughs> would have to come. I'm, just, I'm not going to give up that much um, as far as they go. But uh, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, that I'll probably end up missing missing next year. The schedule looked awesome. I was so excited when it came out, and uh, I'm just gonna miss fishing. Like they were it, that that group of guys, you know, the ownership, the anglers, everybody involved, you know, broadcasting, you guys, um, everybody involved with that organization was just it was special. It still is special, uh, and it's like nothing else I've ever really seen in bass fishing, you know, just kind of, everybody's just, everybody's there for each other, which is, yes. you know, the sport it's has crazy. gotten really cutthroat over yes. the years, and to, and to kind of experience that has been really, really cool. That is the resounding statement I hear from all of our anglers, especially first time guys like Patrick Walters this year, after he fished a couple events, he and I were talking, and he's like, just blows my mind how freaking nice everybody is. <laughs> he's like it's just not <laughs> cutthroat and everybody's just gets along and helps each other and brad knight said the same thing he was like what in the hell these guys don't don't even understand that you're you're supposed to be jerks now <laughs> he's like this <laughs> he's like nobody's mean over here this is crazy it's uh it really is uh, a testament to the way things are are all put together over there and um, I'm looking forward to this last one, man. I mean, it's deer season, right? Brad Fuller, if you're listening, I mean, we fishing in deer season. I know he knows that because he's a big deer hunter. He's like, yeah, we scheduled a damn event the first week of November. That's when it goes down for him in Ohio every year. But uh, I think this last one's going to be really, really, really a, a strong event. I think with the hurricane, a lot of, you know, things have changed water level-wise. I've seen they, they've had a couple big cold fronts now down there. I think that you guys are going to smash them, man. Really do. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I am too. Um, you know, a lot of unknowns with this tournament too, and that's that's the thing. That's the other cool thing about the MPFL is they're not afraid to go places in uh, unconventional times yeah. of year. You know, going to Florida in January, it's cool. It's awesome until it freezes <laughs> and then it's three not. days before the tournament, <laughs> like it did in the open. The lizards are falling uh, out of trees. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like. Uh, so I'm actually I'm really excited. I have no idea. Like, I've been trying to research it for the past few days, and there's there's really not a lot to go yeah, off. Yeah, that's a fact. Um, it's just that unconventional time of year. So I think it's going to be a, a pretty pretty even playing field. And uh, man, I got a feeling we're going to catch some fish too. I, th- I think so. I think it's going to be amazing. And dude, I, you know, I hate to uh, I hate to discount anybody else in the field or or pick favorites because you know I'm just the guy that runs his mouth on live, but. I'd like to see Brian Smith with the shield. I'd like to see you go out, man, in the end your two-year MPFL run with that. And uh, that way, whenever they call you on stage next year in the damn elites, they got to say NPFL champ. By God, I want I want that over there on that uh, on that Bassmaster Elite Series stage. Um, Brian, we're all proud for you, man. You you know I pull for you. I'm a fan. I I've, I've really enjoyed getting to know you, and uh, you're gonna do big things next year, man. We'll be uh, we'll be watching. 
I appreciate it, Luke, man. To have uh, to have all the support in my corner, it, it's, it, it truly means the world to me. You know, without the support, like, it's just it, I'm like half a person. I really am. So. I really appreciate everything. Uh, you're you're very welcome, and you're uh, you're always welcome over here on LBL. And if you get over here on this, uh, I've told I've told several folks this, but if you get get around my my neck of the woods and need a place to leave a boat or need a place to crash, you you always give me a shout, and and uh, we'll we'll find somewhere for you here. Absolutely, man. I really appreciate hey, it. Very welcome, Bryant Smith. Everybody, thank you, Bryant. Thank you, Bryant Smith. Right there. Brought to you by. The W sauce got the sauce from that West Coast angler. And if you're looking for a good marinade, this is America's Worcestershire sauce. I can't say that. I'll never say that. I've never wanted to say that. So now we just say the W sauce, Florida-based company. They got the original and the fire shire. I'm talking about burgers, steaks, chops, chicken, whatever. Maybe, maybe your wife, maybe your wife whips up. Some kind of chicken dish that ain't worth a dang. A little dry. Dip it in it. I dare you. We appreciate the W Sauce bringing you these interviews here. The sauce. But Bryant Smith, can't say enough good things about him, man. He is uh, he is one you better watch on the Bassmaster Elite Series. He's, gonna, he's going to mix it up. I promise you, you are going to know that young man's name. I say young man. I'm 39. He's 31. Still. You're going to know his name, I promise you, by the end of the season next year. Uh, he is a serious Rookie of the Year contender. He is a serious contender for holding up a blue trophy. I promise you, I've seen it time and time again on the MPFL, and uh, and we hate to lose him. I'll assure you that. He, he's been a joy to watch and, and cover, and he catches them. Uh, so congrats to Bryant for making it to the Elite Series and all the rest of the guys. Uh, that have that have made it that are headed on to uh, chase those blue trophies and and Bassmaster Classic qualifications. It's uh, it's certainly the Elite Series just gets harder and harder and harder. And I think next year if you have guys drop out of BPT, however that goes, and they get in the opens, and you have some pro circuit guys with the changes, I think the opens are going to be the hardest they have ever been to qualify from next year. I really do. Now. Making it through nine and the top nine of the points, I think, is easier, easier than the top three. You heard it, Bryant, their 18th place average finish. Like any of y'all sitting at home that you're like, man, they wrecked my dream. An 18th place average, man, that is not easy to do. There are so many variables in the opens. The field sizes are huge. Uh, like this year, unlimited practice. That's changing for next year, but there are so many variables, man. You could be dialed up, and there could be six people just in your general area that see you catch them, that come in. Like, things change in those opens every single day. If you don't believe it, keep up with one of them. Keep up with them. Like, it, it's it's crazy. So, uh, I do think it will be easier. I'm using air quotes if you're listening. Air quotes on the easier. Um, but to make the top nine, I think you had guys make it this year, a couple that only cut two checks out of all nine events. It's insane. It's insane. So, uh, going to be uh, definitely a gauntlet for the guys in the Opens next year. I'll be anxious to see when those those lists come out. Uh, but everything taking shape, the Elite Series, Bass Pro Tour will start to take shape once they, you know, kind of sort out what all's going on. You'll see a final field from them as well. 
I'm sure. And uh, uh, it's all going to be a, a crazy 2023. Man, tournaments are basically a wrap other than MPFL. We got our last event coming up uh, in, in two weeks, first week of November, Kissimmee. Nobody's really fished it that late in, in a while in a pro event. I think there was a top 150 down there, Bassmaster top 150 years and years and years ago. But Hurricanes got a lot of high water in the area. They've had some cold fronts like I was talking with Brian. I think it'll be a really great event. So if you love bass fishing, everything else is kind of done for the year. We got one more left. We're going to decide an angler of the year down there, progressive angler of the year, and we're going to give out another one of them shields for somebody winning the final event. It'll be interesting. Two days of coverage down there. So got to got to throw that plug in there because we got I still got work to do. I can't be just all my mind on these damn fish and deer. I still got work to do for the MPFL and and uh, looking forward to to getting back in the studio with the big cat here in a couple of weeks and uh, calling it as it goes down at Toho, Kissimmee, Florida. All right, thanks to all of you for tuning in each and every week. I appreciate it. I appreciate the sponsors that make all of this happen. And one thing is for sure, as long as you keep showing up, I'm going to keep running my mouth. Thank y'all so much. I'm going to take y'all out with some Biloxi Blues, and I'll see y'all next week. Jackson Town to Tupelo I never could make it last Spanish Moss a Civil War ghost Well, I'm gonna leave them in the past Any direction, Lord, I'll be fine It don't matter, east or west North, south, wherever the wind blows I'm leaving those burdens at rest This highway It does not know my name And I don't care, no, I don't care. Heading my way for another. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.